Mike. We are going to have a little discussion, uh, follow up on Liz Cheney and what happened to her this week, and a little about Marjorie Taylor Greene and AOC. Also, probably a lot more about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict going on right now. And I think we should solve it. Like, uh, what's his name? Jordan Kushner? What's his last name? Jared first? Kushner. Jared Kushner. Yes, we should pick up the mantle and solve that. We could do it in one evening. We could. I think we'll have to set that as an intention, as my therapist would say. As an intention. I mm-hmm. like that. So Liz Cheney was voted out of her position as number three in the Republican yeah. Party. Yeah, and it was so rude. The part I saw on TV, nobody showed up for it. It seemed like she was in that chamber by herself. That's weird, because I thought I heard people booing her. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'm remembering when she gave her speech. She gave her speech, and, and there that's was when nobody. everybody, everybody did not show up. And it was such a good up. speech, too, yeah. I thought. Yeah. I thought it was really powerful. Yeah. Now she is going to be like Marjorie Taylor Greene without any committee obligations. And right. what I've heard is that people like Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and people who have real authority in the Congress and in the Senate mm-hmm. don't give themselves committee obligations because they don't want to have that kind of entanglement. Oh, okay. They want to be available. So for she them. doesn't have any committee assignments that she can be stripped of. No, she's just stripped of her of her situation. leadership role. Yeah. I thought her speech was amazing, and I can't believe that I'm saying this about Liz Cheney, mm-hmm. who threw her gay sister under the bus in order to become oh, the right. uh, congressperson from Wyoming. And it comes from a well-known crime family, war criminal war family. War criminal family, yeah. yeah. Someone was saying, do you want to get on her wrong side? <laughs> right, <laughs> that's a good point. After she was ousted, there were a hundred Republicans who said they were going to form another party. Did you see that? Oh, I did see that. Because they felt that the current GOP was just too far to the right. But they're mostly out of office people, right? I guess they're mostly out of office people. Yeah. So that didn't <laughs> didn't bode well for creating a new. I do think she's gambling that there will be a shift of some kind in two years or four years, yeah. and that if that works, she will be sitting pretty because she will be seen as the harbinger that brought yeah. it on. Well, Liz Cheney is not going to be either president or vice president. She doesn't have a state behind her that has any power whatsoever. I mean, Wyoming has three electoral votes. I just don't think that she can get any traction off of that. Yeah. Well, Donald Trump didn't have any states behind him. I know, but he he was was a a superstar. He was a celebrity. (laughs) Yeah. I read today that 50% of Republicans believe Trump should be the leader of the party. But 70% of Republicans believe the big lie about the election. So it's going to just be interesting if they're going to just lock in with that view or if it's going to shift or change around. We've never been in a situation like this before. No, although we did believe that the election was stolen from Hillary. We absolutely believe that. But Hillary conceded. Right. And I think even though we thought it was stolen in the sense that there was manipulation of the process, we didn't question the integrity of the Electoral College vote. That's true. Yes, that's absolutely We lamented the fact, as I guess it's been true for like all but one Republican since the 80s, that they didn't win the popular vote. The popular vote. vote. And that was unfortunate, but that's our screwed up system. We can't even blame that on the Republicans. Yeah, I'd like to. Blame Alexander (laughs) Hamilton or whoever was responsible for that travesty. The Electoral College? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, that would be a nice thing to get rid of too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting rid of the filibuster and the nine-person Supreme Court and... And the ban on earmarks. And the ban on... I thought they were putting earmarks back in. Are they banning them? No, we're getting rid of the ban on earmarks. Oh, so we get more earmarks then. Mm -hmm. Why do we want earmarks? I don't know why, but that's happening. Oh, is that a for sure thing? I think so. I think everyone's in favor of it. But that's pork. Mm-hmm. Right, and I always thought that that was how the money got into politics. Was maybe, but maybe those... it makes passing bills easier because you, you get to bribe people to vote for your bill that oh. wouldn't vote for it otherwise. Okay, as long as something gets done, because I'm getting very impatient about this filibuster business. It really has to happen quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering too. It's just too early to say, I guess, if this is going to be a, two years of Biden getting a few things done because we have this razor thin majority yes. in the Senate. Or will we see our majority continue or possibly even expand? But uh, I guess it's unlikely in a, an off-year election I think we have to operate as if we are not going to have that majority in 2022. In either house. Possibly in either house. Mm-hmm. When you think about the census, mm-hmm. we lost a seat. New York lost a seat right. in Congress. Right. And the gerrymandering that's going to go on. Yeah. That, and the voting rights oh, yeah. things. that are, I should say the voting restrictions that are happening. That It just makes it really, really scary. So It doesn't look good. No, it does not look good. Although there may be, again... One of those backlashes against this kind of meddling. And there could be a Republican civil war that dilutes their vote. That would be a good thing. Yeah. I would like that. Yeah. That's a possibility. It is a possibility. Yeah. If there are more than three people in the Senate and Congress that want a different party, that would be excellent. On to, oh, we were going to talk about Marjorie Taylor Greene and AOC. Oh, yeah. What about Marjorie Taylor Greene? Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well... I guess she did a verbal abusive thing on AOC that was a little bit like what she did with the fellow from Florida. Oh, David Hogg? Yeah, yeah. Oh. It was similar to the way she went after him. She she just kind of goes on these little rants. But AOC's response was great. She just pointed to her mental illness, to Marjorie Taylor Greene's being emotionally and mentally disturbed. She didn't take it personally. She said, it's a problem for the Congress. Because she's got this mental defect, she is a dangerous person in our group. Really? So what exactly was said to AOC? What kinds of things? What was her complaint with AOC? I remember she said, why aren't you coming out of your office to talk to us? Why are you hiding? It was Marjorie Taylor Greene, like outside her office, calling into her and trying to get her to come out and oh, engage really? in some kind of conversation about some something. Well, she is mentally ill. There's yeah. no other way around it. Yeah. She's but yeah, but AOC was great. She didn't take the bait at all. I glossed over a quote from AOC, I think earlier in the week or last week, where she says, Oh, I've thrown people out of bars like this. I, I'm used oh, to it. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear that. She's a cool customer. I am all behind her. Yeah. She's great. She's so smart and really has political acumen. How does a whole political party become beholden and admiring of people who have these mental problems? Because Trump's the same way. Because people who are equally screwed up are voting for them. Hmm. I think the lesson out of January 6th in the Capitol riot was that elected officials on the right saw that there was this fulminating passion for this kind of misdirection. 
As I think about it too, I think the brand of mental illness that both these two people exhibit manifests in this feeling of having been wronged, having been treated badly, yes. being in the white majority, and yet they have huge chip on the shoulder and feel they've been horribly, horribly mistreated. Yes. I don't think that many millions of people are as mentally ill as Donald Trump is. I don't think there could be that many. But I think the message of aggrievement, is that the word? That vibe of, I should have more because I'm white, damn it. Yes. Where did my privilege yes. go? Where did my privilege go? That's, that's, what, right. that's what is resonating. Yeah. And it's unconscious. And so they think they just like Trump because they say, oh, he says it like it is. But saying it like it is, is their code word for he gets to be racist in his language yeah. without being called on it. Exactly. And they admire that. Yeah. He gets to be more than that. He gets to be a rapist. He gets to right. be a sexual harasser. He gets right. to be someone who has absolutely no respect for anyone else. And takes no responsibility and is not held accountable. But Merrick Garland, if you're listening, we're counting on you. <laughs> we it's, are. We're counting on you. And now there's Israel and the Palestinians. And so there's war happening, right? They're not calling it that. They're not calling it war. The way this started was that the month of Ramadan oh, right. was going on. And there's this very holy place. It's a mosque in East Jerusalem. That's where the Palestinians go to pray and celebrate their, right. when they break the fast every night. Because mm -hmm. they fast during the day, right. pass the night. The first thing that happened was... The president of Israel was going to give a speech. I don't understand the geography, but apparently below that mosque, the wall, it's the wall. Oh, okay. The Wailing Wall? The, I think the Wailing Wall, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Rivlin, who was the president of Israel, was mm -hmm. going to give a speech. Mm -hmm. The call to prayers is magnified. Right. And rather than asking that the call to prayers be lowered or somehow be adjusted so that Rivlin's prayer wouldn't be disturbed by it. Right. The Israeli police just burst into the mosque and cut the speakers, just cut the speakers off. So that caused some initial backlash. Mm -hmm. Then there is a separate thing that was going on in East Jerusalem in a particular neighborhood where there were six families, Palestinians, who live in this area of the occupied West Bank. They were being told that they were going to be evicted, even though the Palestinians consider that Palestinian land. Right. They were being told that, no, it's Jewish land and you're going to have to go. Now, this mm -hmm. was in the courts and the ruling was supposed to happen imminently. Mm -hmm. And while that was brewing, later in Ramadan, the Israeli police went back to this holy mosque in East Jerusalem and used flash bombs and broke the windows, essentially just terrorized the people who were in the mosque. And that's when things really got crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, what's difficult for me is there is the Gaza Strip and there is the West Bank. Mm -hmm. Gaza, where Hamas is. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Hamas is what's considered a terrorist group by Israel because mm -hmm. they don't recognize Israel's right to exist. Okay. Hamas has a lot of weapons, and their weapons stockpile has gotten greater, and the kinds of weapons that they have had are more better than they were. Yeah. yeah. So now they have more sophisticated weapons, and I think it was from Gaza, the first volley went over to Israel and was met with 
air power, mm -hmm. firepower. Many Palestinians were killed. Mm -hmm. An entire building that housed Al Jazeera and I think the... That just happened, right? That just the happened. The building that was bombed. Yes. It had apartments in it and also media offices and things like that. Yes. I don't know how many Palestinians have died. Right. But I, I did hear today that in that one attack, a fair number of children and women died. died. Which I guess they try to, in their firing back and forth, they try to aim at soldiers on either side. They say they try to, but yeah. I don't know that they actually tried. Not in because, this case. No. Because they knew families lived in that building. Yeah. I think that they are trying very hard to bring as much firepower as they possibly mm -hmm. can, as much destruction as they possibly yeah. can, because they loathe the Palestinians. Yeah. And it just gets down to the fact that the Palestinians are treated like animals, basically. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it is an apartheid system. There are two separate societies. One is Israeli, one is Palestinian. The Gaza Strip has an unemployment rate of 50%. Mm -hmm. And that's worse than what the U.S. was in the Depression. Mm -hmm. That's like twice as bad as the U.S. Mm -hmm. And they're kept there by both the Egyptians and the Israelis. They, they can't move. It's just a horrible, horrible situation. All this is to say that there's no real end in sight. Mm -mm. Hamas wants to come out and be as destructive to Israel as they possibly can be after decades and decades of oppression. I don't know where it is today because I don't have the TV listening to anything. No, but I listened to Virginia Heffernan's podcast today. And what sounds so depressing is that right-wing politicians in Israel are becoming more and more popular. There's a move towards the right, towards the warmongering side of the Israeli political class. Oh, really? So that's bad. And then the, they also talked about how the United States is complicit in it because of our relationship with Israel. So well, we supply them with arms. Yeah. So we're, we're part of the problem as well. The fellow who was a, a journalist, a Palestinian journalist, said that where there is some hope is that as public opinion in the U.S. as well as Israel. Because I imagine, too, there's probably a large number of Israelis who are also horrified by this. There are, there's a liberal right. part of the Israeli and, um, population. He thought that just as consciousness of world opinion of this problem and of the injustices and starts to become more widespread and more well-known, that will somehow feed back onto the process and cause some positive change to happen, but not anything soon. I think that this time it's so out of whack mm -hmm. that people are finally rebelling against the idea that Israel is always right and the Palestinians are always wrong. Yeah. I do think a group or country that won't acknowledge Israel's right to exist, I think that's a problem. It is a problem. It is a problem. But they're not doing anything to bring them to the table. Right. When you're talking about the 50% unemployment, it just seems like some visionary leader could come in and say, hey, you know what? We're going to work on some kind of cooperative business arrangements yes. where we can find some kind of business relationship that is mutually beneficial, that creates jobs for people who need them. We're even doing that in South America, Central America, yeah. trying to create opportunities so for the, jobs so that people are Yeah, so the drug trade isn't... Gangs don't so, take over. Well, it's an ongoing mess.
And by the time people listen to this, we will probably have moved largely in one direction or another. I heard Netanyahu being very warmongery today. He is. This is a perfect setup for him because he's on trial, because his numbers have fallen. Right. If he can be the strong man and and crush the Palestinians, then he will be seen as a hero. Right. But more will be revealed. Yeah. And it is true that in the mainstream culture that we live in, there's more room to consider whether the Palestinians have some just rights and concerns. And it didn't used to be that way over here. So maybe world opinion is shifting in a way that, like this guy on the podcast today said, could help influence things in a positive direction. World recognition of Mm -hmm. what's going on. I remember when Jimmy Carter said that Israel had an apartheid system. People rebelled against that in, right. in the U.S. I mean, in Israel, it right. was considered... Blasphemy. It was blasphemy. Yeah. But I, it can change. Well, I mean, it, we did it with South Africa 50 years ago or so. I pray for something, for no one else to be killed. It's a terrible situation, and it's been going on for as long as the Jews have been there. Right. On another note... Yes. I wanted to talk about a series that I saw called Hacks. Hacks? Hacks. It's on HBO Max. Okay. And it stars Gene Smart. Oh, my goodness. I know. As a sort of Joan Rivers, a comedian who is an institution in Vegas. Oh, okay. She's an amalgam of many different people, but mm-hmm. they reference the fact that she was the first woman in late night television. Oh, okay. So there are Joan Rivers overlaps. Oh, I see. I smell a Mrs. Maisel uh, ripoff here. <laughs> no, 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 uh, Tell no, me no. more. No, no, no. <laughs> her adversary in this is a young comedian who has been thrown out of her job writing for somebody in late night or some comedy show. Okay. Because she had a joke that was considered really tasteless oh. and went viral okay. and she was canceled. Okay. And so she has nowhere to go. The older comedian, Gene Smart, is being looked at as not fresh enough. The owner, like a Steve Wynn, wants someone newer mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And she is resisting. So she hires on. They hate each other. They absolutely loathe each other. The two comedians? The two comedians. Oh, okay. And the younger comedian is played by the sister of a friend of our family. And she's also the daughter of Lorraine Newman. Oh, okay. Who was on SNL, right. as you know. She's really good. She's she's kind of mousy looking. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't look like she'd have the balls to go up against the Gene Smart character, mm-hmm. who is mean AF. <laughs> mean to this woman. And yet it's hysterically funny. It's oh. a really good show. It takes place in Vegas, which is a horrible place for anybody right, to have to right. be. The writing is really sharp. The dialogue between them is great. Is it current day or is it? It's current day. Okay. Jean Smart says, are you a lesbian? And she says, well, now that you ask, I did screw men. But then I developed a crush on someone named Phoebe, and we had a great time. And she goes on this entire catalog of her love life. Oh, yeah. And the Joan Rivers character says, um, Jesus Christ, I just wanted to know why you were dressed like Rachel Maddow's mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see the two of them spar. Huh. Hannah Einbinder is the, is the actress's fun. name. She really holds her own with Jane Smart. Very cool. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for us. All right, then. Goodbye, boomers. We didn't achieve world peace. 
Not like I hoped. Not yet. <laughs> a little disappointed, <laughs> but maybe next week. Maybe next week. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's always tomorrow. Oh God! So thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you again in a week. So long, boomers. Bye bye.